Over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. It's time for the Chicago Blackhawks postgame show on the Blackhawks Radio Network. Here's Joe Brand. The hard work continues for the Chicago Blackhawks. Unfortunately, so do the losses. As this game turns into a hell of an effort from the Hawks into an ending from hell as Winnipeg picks up two late goals to sneak in a 2-1 victory and hand the Blackhawks their 28th loss of the season. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. We're taking you up to 10.30 tonight and uh, hoping to get you home safely before the snow comes down in the Chicagoland area. But let's first head on up to snowy Winnipeg in Canada. Troy Murray had the call with John Wideman, and man, Troy, this was just such a, a deflating final few minutes. You, you saw Winnipeg start to gain some momentum, gain some steam, and you kind of felt it coming, but with the way that Peter Mrazek was playing, you thought maybe he could fend them off, but apparently not. The Winnipeg Jets, one of the top teams in the NHL, actually the top at the moment, and they showed why tonight in the final few minutes. Just so frustrating. Boy, they, they played well. Their game plan was, you know, make sure that they frustrated, shut the, the Jets down as much as they could. And Jets have some high-end skill in their lineup. And uh, you give them credit because they didn't quit. And they seemed like they were getting frustrated but able to turn things around. And, you know, it's just a little bit of a breakdown. It's a it's a physical mismatch without Adam Lowry going up against Kurashev. He spins away and, and then a quick sh- pass right across, across the top of the crease to Gabe Velarde, and he tapped that one in. And now all of a sudden there's so much energy and emotion in the game, the Jets were able to kind of continue that on and score the goal by Ehlers with a little bit of a mistake inside the in the uh, neutral zone there, something that we really hadn't seen, but it was because of the pressure coming from the Jets late in this game. I mean, the other thing is, heading into this one, you knew that one goal wasn't going to be able to beat the Winnipeg Jets. It almost looked like it was going to be, but... Yeah, obviously the Hawks are missing some guys for some offensive power right now, and that definitely could have helped tonight. Well, Connor Bedard not in the lineup, and Blackhawks had scored three goals coming into this game, all from Connor Bedard. So yeah, you, yeah. you missed his presence in the game. <laughs> uh, the only goal you get is from Connor Murphy, his second of the season. But it was the way that they played, and they got to play this way. Uh, you know, I don't know if you if you get into a run and gun with the Jets if you're going to win that game because they've got more firepower and. Their goaltending and their defense a little bit more experienced than what the Blackhawks have, but boy, they they gave it everything that they had, and this one this one's going to hurt because you know in a position to win this game, and all of a sudden it just turns that quickly is, is really frustrating. No, absolutely, that does make it now four straight games though where the Hawks give a better team a run for their money. So so at least that trend continuing is a positive to pull from this one because another solid opponent in Dallas coming to town on Saturday. Yeah, it, it doesn't get any easier for the, for the Blackhawks. <laughs> Dallas coming in, they're one of the better teams in the Western Conference. And, and boy, you, you just got to be ready to play the same type of game. You can't open up against Dallas. They've got too much firepower. And for the Blackhawks, continue to have this mentality that we're just going to compete, we're going to come at you, we're going to work. And for 55 minutes, they they did that in this game. I was really impressed the way that they they played in this game. Uh, Really almost mistake-free till the tail end of it. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, pal, I know you got to catch a bus, you got to catch a plane, you guys got to get here before the weather does. So 
We'll, we'll let you skedaddle. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised that we got rerouted to Newfoundland or something. <laughs> the way that the, the, the schedule and the season's been been going for the Blackhawks, fogged out of Seattle, fogged out of St. Louis. What can happen? Yeah, the, the, <laughs> what the, can happen here in Winnipeg? <laughs> the, the Hawks are uh, are delayed due to oddly shaped snowflakes falling down in in front of the plane. All right, pal. Well, man, rough ending, but. Uh, Almost a, a, a completely solid 60 minutes, so maybe this team can do it again in a couple of nights. Well, let's hope so because, uh, man, I mean, they're giving it everything they got, so you'd like to see some results from the effort that's being put in. For sure. All right, pal. Safe travels. We'll talk right. to you. Thanks, Joe. All righty. That is Troy Murray. He and John Weideman on the call tonight up in Canada's. The Hawks lose a heartbreaker 2-1 to one to the Winnipeg Jets in a game where they outplayed Winnipeg for pretty much the entire game, but not the final four minutes, and that's what ended up making the difference in this game. And, you know, Troy brings up a good point. I I point out that one goal isn't going to beat the Winnipeg Jets, and most nights it's not, but he's right. This is the kind of game that the Hawks are, are forced to play with missing so many guys. This is exactly what we were talking about, that kind of boring, slow, strategic game that the Hawks are kind of forced to play right now with missing so many guys just dumping the puck in, uh, not playing too liberally, just playing conservatively so that you can't allow Winnipeg to really get their offense going. And the final few minutes of that third period reminded me a lot of the few times that Edmonton got their offensive rhythm going a couple of nights ago. It didn't happen much. happened a lot late in the first period, late in the second period, and again, I'm talking Tuesday night's game at the United Center, and then the Hawks just totally outplayed Edmonton in the final 20 minutes, and they carried that over tonight against the Winnipeg Jets, but the final few minutes, not enough. And, you know, a couple of breakdowns on the play as Troy was breaking it down with Adam Lowry, getting past Philip Kurashev, uh, the go-ahead goal. Um, or I take that back, Gabe Velarde's goal that tied up the game, just kind of wide open right there on the doorstep. Nothing that Peter Mrazek can do there. Uh, he may have gotten past Jared Tenorti in that instance. And then later on, a goal by Nikolai Ehlers just gives Winnipeg the lead, and there was just so much uh, rising tension going on in that building. I mean, that crowd was getting a little restless, and once Winnipeg really started to turn it up offensively, they were able to roll, and it kind of turned into a snowball effect. 312-981-7200 if you'd like to join us. Uh, We haven't heard from our buddy Tim in Urbana in quite some time, but of course it's a rough loss for the Hawks, so yeah, we are going to hear from him tonight. Uh, Either the Hawks are completely incompetent or they're throwing games, and then and a few more choice words, but that's just not the case. It's not the case tonight. Uh, tonight's game reminded me a lot of some of the games we saw last year where the Hawks were outplaying the opponent for most of the contest, but still just kind of found ways to lose. And honestly, last year we were kind of okay with that, right? Because we knew of the possible capability of landing the rights for Connor Bedard, and that's exactly what happened. We can go down that road again this year with Macklin Celebrini. I really don't want to, though, because I don't want to end up relying on that type of narrative after every game once again. Um, and plus, the Hawks did luck out with getting Connor Bedard. It, it, they, they played the part, right? They, they played part of the plan. 
but they still did catch some luck on it. And uh, the whole Macklin-Celebrini situation, maybe lightning would strike twice. Who knows? But it's it's not something you can rely on right now. And also, you don't want this team to fall into that mentality too much of of just getting used to losing. I, I know it's... It's still very early on in the rebuild, and it's 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 not these types of games. It's it's we, we we talked about it a lot last year. Like, what does it do mentally to a team to play well, play well a lot, and play well for the majority of the game, and still come up with losses? How does that affect them? How does that affect them in the long run? And no, a lot of players on this roster this year might not be here the next time the Hawks are a very successful team, but you still just, you don't want to kind of embrace that. It, it's, I know it's only a year removed from the first year of the rebuild, but you don't, you don't want to get into that too much. Uh, 312-981-7200 if you'd like to join us. Our guy Devin in Palis Hills is uh, chiming in. He does often. Wants to talk about Peter Morazic, who had a great game tonight, by the way. Go ahead, Devin. You're on WGN Radio. Hey, Joe, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I completely agree. Peter Morazic has had uh, another great game as well as all season long. Uh, this year seems to be a lot better than last year for him, uh, not only with playing but staying off the injured list as well. Uh, do you think that teams uh, who are you know looking to make a run in the playoffs um, are going to look at that and see maybe this is a guy that we want on our team? For example, the Hurricanes. They don't have. Uh, they don't really have a number one goalie right now who's who's playing well. Uh, do you think a team like the Hurricanes would look at Morazic and potentially trade for him, give us a pick, and swap one of their goalies like Antti Ranta, who found himself on waivers earlier this year, um, just to help themselves out with the playoff run? And the Hawks could get good value off of him right now. All right, thank you very much. That's Devin in Payless Hills. Again, 312-981-7200 if you'd like to join us. Uh, it's funny that Devin brings up Piotr, or rather the Carolina Hurricanes because Piotr Kachetkov went down in their game today against the Anaheim Ducks, and actually uh, Antti Ranta had to step in in that game. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I've mentioned it a lot. I mean, this this... This year by Peter Morazic continues to be a a pretty good situation for both he and the Blackhawks if the end result is them trading him. I mean, remember when the Hawks acquired him, they took him from the Toronto Maple Leafs who were trying to shed some cap space. The Hawks acquired a first-round pick for it. Uh, that ended up being Sam Renzel, who just won a gold medal with Team USA in the World Juniors. He's playing with Oliver Moore, the number 19 pick. Uh, in the first round for the Hawks last season, the guy who uh, they picked after Connor Bedard. He's on Moore's team with Minnesota right now in college. So everything has worked out very well for the Hawks and, and Kyle Davidson in making that move, especially if they end up moving Peter Morazic this year and get some more picks for him. Uh, Devin brings up a good point, too, just in terms of health for Peter Morazic. He has been very healthy this year compared to the years past, and that's another reason why I think Toronto was um, enticed to move him. But uh, there was a great story by Charlie Romeliotis of NBC Sports Chicago recently how Mrazek even said that it uh, kind of was a saving grace, him coming over to Chicago. I mean, he checks all the boxes. He's having a great year. He seems like an absolutely great teammate. He's, he's got a 
perfect personality to fit into whatever type of dressing room. And uh, and he's been healthy this year. So, yeah, I mean, goaltenders are, are so valuable for these teams fighting for the playoffs or looking for a long playoff run. I mentioned it before that it's it's kind of become like the closer in baseball where it doesn't matter how good your goaltender is, you still want another one just in case. And uh, I mean, they, they kind of go through this tandem goaltending situation even in the playoffs now. Um, but I, I also appreciate what the Hawks are doing right now with their duo between Peter Mrazek and Arvid Sutterbloom. Sutterbloom's been solid his last few outings after the rough game against the St. Louis Blues, where the Hawks coughed up five goals the day before game before Christmas, I should say, uh, and you know coughed up a multi-goal lead to the St. Louis Blues, and everyone wanted to see Arvid Sutterbloom get demoted at that point. The Hawks didn't do that. He's regained some confidence. He's looked better over the last few games, but he's also been taking a lot of time off. It's not 1A, 1B goaltenders with Mrazek and Sutterbloom lately, and I feel like that's working out for both guys. I mean, Mrazek's able to get on more of a run, able to stay consistent, able to just stay in his zone, and Sutterbloom is able to work on things when he's not playing and and maybe just really gear up for his next game. Now, if they do move Peter Mrazek, that's going to make things a lot more interesting because the two options down in Rockford, Jackson Stauber, whose numbers aren't great in the AHL, but he did do very good things here at the NHL last season. Uh, and the other guy is Drew Camesso, and the Hawks have a whole bunch of faith in him, a 21-year-old goaltender, his first year in the AHL, uh, first year in professional hockey. He's been doing good things this year, but they're also very strategic about all their prospects, and they don't want to rush guys up. I don't know if that would be the case with Drew Camesso or not. Maybe they'd even go into a hybrid situation with that, where they rely mainly on Sutterbloom and Stauber but still give Drew Camesso a taste of the NHL uh, just because that's kind of what they do with goaltenders and uh, even just young prospects this day and age in hockey. But as Devin brought up, there's also a a possibility where whoever Peter Mrazek gets traded to, maybe they send a goaltender this way. I mean, think about it. Every team's got two goaltenders at least on their roster currently, so maybe the second guy would come over towards the Hawks. Uh, Remember, that's what the Hawks did when they moved Robin Leonard uh, over to the Vegas Golden Knights. They ended up getting Malcolm Subban. So so there are options there. Uh, That continues to be a good thing for the Hawks. Mrazic's success keeps the Hawks in games, uh, helps this team stay competitive, and possibly becomes a better, I shouldn't say better, but a good asset for them if they plan to move him towards the end of the year. Mrazek with a a great night tonight. I mean, kept the Hawks in this one. Uh, He finishes with 26 saves in this game. Didn't cough up a goal until 328 left in regulation. Again, Winnipeg just really started to build up all the momentum stole a lot of the pressure in that third period, and and you kind of felt it coming. And hats off to the Hawks on the PK tonight. Another great night. Tonight, let's see, they have now killed off 15 of their last 16 penalties. Uh, They only allowed... I'm looking at the wrong sheet. Uh, I, I believe they only allowed like five shots on goal on the penalty kill. Um, but all f- or four of the five of them came in the final PK. And I know the Jets were without Mark Shifley, but it- it's still something to limit their amount of shots on goal uh, on the power play. And actually, I'm looking at it now. No, they're showing only two 
shots on goal on the power play for the Winnipeg Jets tonight. That had changed because at one point they gave Winnipeg three in that very last power play. But the Hawks' PK looked good again tonight. That's another good trend we're liking to see. Special teams just seeming to move in the right direction for the Hawks right now. It's really tough to totally diagnose the power play, though, with them missing so many guys. Chris Foster's joined us on the postgame show uh, after the last game against Edmonton and, and pointed out how different the Hawks' power play has looked just over the last week. But, I mean, think about it. The beginning of the year, I, I'm pretty sure it was Taylor Hall, Connor Bedard, Nick Foligno, Corey Perry, and Andreas Athanasiu. I mean, maybe Philip Kurashev was in there, but every one of those guys not available for the Hawks right now. And I'm talking the power play at the beginning of the year to right now. Uh, as rough as this loss was, that's now five straight games where the Hawks have put themselves in a position to win. Uh, 312-981-7200 if you'd like to join us for the 630 area code. Bittersweet to put that level of effort in and not pull out a win, but nonetheless, Mrazek and the insane level of effort on the ice, especially on the PK lately, is always sensational. Taking the silver linings where we can and the rest in stride back home. On to the next one, Steve from California. Thanks for chiming in, Steve, and thanks for listening all the way from California. Uh, yeah, but it's, again, it reminds me so much of last year. We were talking about this type of game so much last season. And again, we saw the values and losses last year because the rebuild was so fresh and so new, and the prize possession at the end of the tunnel was Connor Bedard. And then the Hawks got him. And again, we can go down that road, but I, I really don't want to. I, I don't think it's it's the right move because, I mean, now we're talking about so many different pieces on this roster that should and hopefully are part of the next successful Blackhawks team. I know Bedard's not available right now, but Alex Vlasic, who, man, we, we should probably talk about his game in a little bit. Um, Alex Vlasic, Lucas Reichel, maybe Philip Kurashev. Um, all, all these guys that the Hawks still want to see what their worth is and, and still want to see how valuable are, um, you, you want them to be a part of a, a winning culture early on, or, or at least a hard-working culture, uh, a hard-nosed effort culture, and now we're starting to see that turn over these last few games. And I, I know the absences do play a part, but again, maybe it's... Maybe it's these absences forcing the Hawks to play this way and think this way and move this way, and then hopefully they can kind of use that as a a running start for when they come back. I mean, I I am hoping that we're seeing a much different team once Seth Jones, Nick Foligno, Tyler Johnson, and of course Connor Bedard come back. And I mean a much different team from before all of these injuries occurred because the Hawks have been dealing with so much adversity as of late with all the injuries, with all the absences, and and now they're starting to put things together and find themselves a little bit of an identity, which is a good thing. But the wins aren't coming with them, which is a frustrating thing and one we've known a little bit too well over the past couple of years. It's time for tonight's Player of the Heart. Player with the most heart. Hopefully everyone's got a heart. I think they do. Uh, which is sponsored by Northwestern Medicine. Northwestern Medicine is home to the state's leading heart and vascular program. Top ranked for 16 straight years by U.S. News and World Report. I'm going to give it to Colin Blackwell. Blackwell finished with 
he was even, no plus minus, finished at 13 minutes, almost 14 minutes of time on ice, 13.53. He co-led the game, or I should say co-led the Hawks in shots on goal with four. He and Boris Kachuk co-leading the Hawks with four shots on goal. Boris Kachuk has really elevated his game lately, too. Um, but it's been Colin Blackwell's just work ethic and ingenuity to just make things happen. He had a, a really nifty move on a, a coast-to-coast play towards the end of the second period, just gaining steam and speed all by himself and and putting a, a tough shot on Laurent Poussois, but uh, doesn't come up with any points tonight. But he has just continued that since rejoining the NHL roster. We talked to Troy a little bit about that in one of the intermissions about just how what he was dealing with in terms of an injury last year definitely had to have played a, a big role because the difference in his skill set this season is it's very noticeable. And I, I don't think it's just all hard work, you know, all of just an effort thing, all of a decision. Like he just seems so much more confident and fluid out there. He's he's probably just riding on all cylinders by feeling as good as he is and playing as good as he is and uh, just bringing that tenacity each and every game. We've got more to get to. It looks like a few players talk with the media, Connor Murphy and Luke Richardson. There's nobody on the beat up in Winnipeg right now. It's a tough place to get to. It was a quick one-and-done road trip for the Hawks. Um, so we are waiting on uh, sound from the Blackhawks dressing room, courtesy of the Blackhawks. And actually, it looks like it just came in not too long ago. So uh, we're going to take a break, but we'll take your calls. We'll take your texts. 312-981-7200. Plenty more to talk about. This solid effort yet followed up with a 2-1 loss to the Winnipeg Jets. Blackhawks postgame show, 720 WGN. Over top of the right wing circle, Perfetti. Down to Nemesnikov, bottom of the circle to Perfetti, jams it in front. Mrazek lays it aside and uses his goal stick to knock it out of there. Follow-up shot by Schmidt is over the net. We had a few to choose from. It was that kind of night for Peter Mrazek. Unfortunately, not enough tonight as the Hawks fall to the Winnipeg Jets. 2-1 to the final up in Winnipeg. The Hawks drop now to 12-28-2 on the season. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. On 720 WGN, 312-981-7200. If you'd like to join us, you can call, you can text, and you can uh, express your sadness because this was a rough loss for the Hawks. It seemed like they were finally going to get their monkey off the back um, in terms of losses on the road and just another bit of a losing skid. But another solid effort if we are pulling out the positives. Uh, almost an entire 60 minutes out playing the Winnipeg Jets, giving Winnipeg a run for their money at home. Again, it's it's getting into that trend where the other team is so frustrated with the way they're playing and just can't believe that they're being limited this much by the Hawks. So you do have to give the Hawks credit for doing what they're doing right now, but it it all relies on results and the final four minutes went Winnipeg's way give credit to the Jets for really turning around the momentum towards the end of that third period and working it to their favor Connor Murphy scored the only goal for the Hawks tonight the head coach Luke Richardson talked with the media as well uh, let's hear from Connor Murphy the Blackhawks defender yeah, it was unacceptable on our part uh, to give up goals and grade A chances in the last ten minutes five minutes and uh, it's just it's just terrible on our part. Our, our, our players, Raz, made big saves too. And we even had a chance um, when we were giving up big ones, and then we kept giving up big ones, and and we paid for it. 
we know where Winnipeg is in the standings. I was talking to your coach this morning about you know how well you guys have played against Winnipeg this year. Did you feel you did what you needed to do for the majority of the game? Leading up to that end of the third, I think we did play hard and stayed uh, with consistent. Um, but it's hard. It's hard to win games and and uh, against good teams too. They're gonna any team's gonna pour it on you at the end uh, if you're. If you're trying to defend the lead, and uh, you got to know how to play, and we clearly didn't uh, show that we know how to play with it. What do you see in Winnipeg's game? How do you describe their style? Uh, they're consistent. They don't cheat the game. I think they, do, they, they a lot of their play comes from their their uh, defensive game, and uh, they just they just stick with it, and, and they, they play hard and try to get pucks and bodies around around nets. As simple as that sounds, um, and win battles, and uh, they, they know. They, they know if they stick with their game, things are going to come, and uh, we ended up breaking uh, exactly how they wanted. Yeah, I mean, let's also point out the obvious. Winnipeg is a very good team this year, 28-9-4 and this season. This victory now leapfrogs them over the Vancouver Canucks for most points in the NHL. They've got 60 total, so they're the first NHL team this year to reach 60 points. Uh, they had a really strong finish, and as Troy mentioned, no, one goal is not going to be enough to beat the Winnipeg Jets, but this is the type of game the Hawks have to play right now. They've got to play a really well-structured game that might be a little boring at times. That might not be as flashy and as exciting, but they're trying to limit a very good offense like the Winnipeg Jets, like the Edmonton Oilers, what the Hawks have done the past couple of nights. But then once that offense is able to get their rhythm going and do the things that they do best, they're going to poke holes in your team's defense, like what happened tonight with Gabe Velarde being wide open right on the doorstep against um, Peter Morazic, and then later on Ehlers giving Winnipeg the go-ahead and eventually game-winning goal. It's not a fun way to lose, but it's a solid way to, to play a, almost a full 60 minutes and unfortunately just not enough tonight. Again, big thanks to the Hawks and the Winnipeg media for stepping in tonight, asking some questions as uh, nobody on the beat able to head up to Canada tonight. The head coach, Luke Richardson, chatted as well. Let's hear from him. Uh, they, they skated hard, but, you know, I thought we just backed off a little bit in the last five minutes, and it, uh, uh, the other team was desperate and, and came at us and got two good uh, good chances. That uh, You know, we, we got to try and prevent that. You know, it was... Uh, definitely disappointing uh, not even getting into overtime for uh, a point on the road what's the mood in the locker room like uh, i didn't even go in you know i mean like the, i know it's disappointed you can see them coming off the bench after the game we, we only had a minute to try and scramble to tie it up but uh, we didn't really even get in to get that opportunity so uh, it's unfortunate i just thought uh, you know they wanted it a little bit more than us at the end of the game and uh, we just couldn't contain them and hold them was there any kind of breakdown in particular on the on the Ehlers' goal, the go-ahead goal. Um, just not protecting the middle ice. I think you know he, him coming through the middle of the ice, with a lot of speed. Uh, uh, you know, we were trying to play tight on the back end. I thought maybe the forwards were a little bit spread out. We got to be over top of them in the middle and push everything to the outside. So it's a, uh, it's a more difficult task for them. And coming down the middle for Ehlers, uh, one of the faster guys in the league, is probably what they wanted. And uh, unfortunately, we opened that up for him. Kind of along that same vein, did Winnipeg do anything differently in the final few minutes? I think they just played a little bit harder and desperate. I think their D's were really pinching down the walls, and, and uh, you know, we, we just uh, weren't clean. Uh, I thought we were cleaner in the middle part of the game. Uh, broke out the puck out and had some more line rushes for, created more chances for. So I think just, uh, you know, subconsciously you back off and try and 
protect the one nothing lead and then and then preserve and try and get to overtime when they tie at one one and uh, they just kept coming so unfortunately uh, they got the good breaks at the end that they they created for themselves and uh, uh, we came away with nothing again and and that's frustrating the last two games we played very well and, and come out with no points Oh, he was great. He deserves uh, way better from us in front of him in the, at the end of the game to try and uh, help him get a win, uh, if not if not a shutout. So, uh, you know, he's been great for us all year. So we got to try and get him a little more goal support and definitely protect him a little better at the end of games. What were the bright spots that you saw? Uh, yeah, it's hard to think of right this second, but uh, I think the penalty killing was excellent. Uh, you know, guys were blocking shots and playing hard, and that's what we've been asking them to do. And I thought we frustrated them quite a bit throughout the game. Unfortunately, we just gave them too much room at the end. Yeah, you could really uh, tell on the Hawks' faces after that game how much that loss uh, really, really stung. Again, you play your hearts out for... The first 55 minutes, and then Winnipeg just kind of steals the show in the final few and rides off the home crowd and and starts to do all of the little things right. And before you know it, it's a 2-1 hockey game. It's just pretty crazy. John Wideman mentioned it a few times, how much things can just flip in the game of hockey. Uh, Who knows? Maybe Peter Mrazek's going to end up being the Hawks' all-star this year. Connor Bedard obviously voted as the Hawks' representative and would have, might still be, the youngest All-Star in NHL history. Not quite sure if he'll be able to make an appearance. I I was talking with Charlie Romeliotis about this, about how he could possibly go to the skills competition or something like that, but let's also point out that he did go through jaw surgery, so... I don't know how enjoyable it'll be to be out there in, in the public, and, and I mean like on stage, right? If if you're Connor Bedard and you're at the All Star Game, you're you're probably expected to make appearances. I, I don't even know if I want to go as far as saying like talking with people because I, I don't know how limited he is right now. But um, it, it might just be full on rehab for Connor Bedard right now, so that he can get back out on the ice uh, as quickly as he would like to. Um, In terms of a replacement, maybe we'll see Peter Mrazek head over to Toronto, his former team and actually the organization that let him go. Uh, Maybe it'll be Jason Dickinson, which, wow, what a cool story that will continue to be. Uh, Dickinson now with 14 goals. He's one shy of tying Connor Bedard. Uh, Played in his 42nd game tonight and and just continues to excel. I'm going to go back on my promise of mentioning Alex Vlasic's game tonight. He led the team in terms of time on ice, 23 minutes and 2 seconds. I think this is like the third game out of the last four where Alex Vlasic has led all skaters. He had four blocked shots in this game. Uh, Didn't finish with a plus-minus. He did have one shot on goal. Uh, one takeaway, but again, Alex Vlasic, and I talked with Troy about this in the pregame show, of how his transition to the NHL has just been so seamless, so natural, and it, it just really seems like the Hawks got a real nice defenseman in Alex Vlasic, and hopefully for years to come. 312-981-7200, if you'd like to join us, you can call or you could text. Um, looks like somebody tried to text in a TikTok link. I, I don't think I can access that, and even if I could, I don't know if I want to do that on a computer that's on the company's internet right now. Um, but we're taking this post game show up to ten thirty. 
a 2-1 loss to the Winnipeg Jets. Another game where the Hawks have a really good showing, but not able to show two points for it. The road woes continue. But I think it's important to point out that the Dallas Stars come to town on Saturday and the Hawks are going to need this same type of effort. And who knows, maybe it's the thought process like, okay, our, our game has elevated over the past couple of contests. If the Hawks are thinking that way, then they're going to know what it's going to take to take down Dallas on Saturday. And obviously we can't forget the last two games uh, between those two teams. Obviously the most recent one was a lot harder to swallow than the first one. Um, but the Hawks are very well aware of how good of a team the Dallas Stars are, and what it's going to take. It's not just going to take you know, a, a solid performance and hard-working effort. They're really going to have to get off to a good start. That is a nice trend for this team right now, though. Three straight games, the Hawks have been able to strike first, so at the very least, they're able to get off on the right foot against an opponent that's probably better than them on paper. And, I don't know, maybe play the stun game a little bit? Like, oh, wow, we really got to get going, you know. Um, I, I felt that worked in the Hawks' favor Really well, obviously tonight, but also a few nights ago against Edmonton. I thought the Hawks started that game exactly how they needed to, and I don't want to say lucked out with a goal because Jason Dickinson earns all the success that he's been getting this year, but it, it was just kind of a cherry on top with how they were playing. It's like, oh yeah, and the Hawks pick up the first goal of the game. Obviously later on, Oilers tie things up. You know the rest of the story, but the trends for this team are going in the right direction. Now it's just the wins that need to follow up. We're going to take another break. Again, 312-981-7200 is our phone number. You can call or you could text. Might take a look around the league. Might get to get into a couple of uh, other stories around the league because uh, some juicy drama going on in the NHL at this time. So uh, join us if you can, 312-981-7200. Blackhawks postgame show after a 2-1 loss to the Winnipeg Jets on 720 WGN. Neil grabs it there. Over to Brendan Dillon, then to Lowry at center ice to Ehlers, breaking down the left wing, Hawks zone, shoots and scores. It's amazing how a game can change so quickly. The Hawks had control of this game, and were really the dominant team in this game. Well into the, near the end of the third period, and the Jets have tallied twice inside of about three minutes and now lead this hockey game 2-1 to one with 105 left in regulation. This coming from Marat Eights, one of the reporters from the Winnipeg Jets media team, um, or I should say from the beat, and uh, he's quoting Rick Bonus of the Winnipeg Jets, their head coach, on tonight's game. Quote, Chicago played a great game. Don't look at their roster and don't look at their standings and say it's a bad team. It's a good team. They play hard. They made it very hard for us tonight, and they did get us frustrated. We had a good first. We had a terrible second. We just got a little frustrated. We got off of our game. We rebounded really well in the third period. I think it's important to look at that aspect because this is the second straight night where an opponent got outplayed by a team that's not as good as them on paper. Edmonton and their fans were kind of saying the same thing two nights ago against the Hawks. This is what the Hawks did a lot of last year. It was one of the first things that Luke Richardson said he wanted the Hawks to be, a team where other teams look at the schedule and say, oh man, we got to get through Chicago tonight. And maybe it is the other team taking a little bit of a load off. Maybe it is them underestimating the Hawks. But Winnipeg, 
Already lost to the Hawks earlier this year. In fact, this has probably been the best season series for the Hawks this year so far, the way they've played the Winnipeg Jets this season. And as Troy mentioned at the beginning of the postgame show, Connor Bedard has scored three out of the four goals that the Hawks have scored against the Jets this year. Remember he had both of them on December 27th uh, that ended up beating the Jets in overtime. He had the only goal in Winnipeg on December 2nd. So that's probably a pretty big absence right there. Um, But everything that Rick Bonus had to say is exactly what the Hawks are gunning for right now. They want to make the other team kind of play out of sync and get frustrated and, and not play to their game. So again, if this foundational hockey system played by the Hawks while all these guys are out can stay consistent, can stick around, then when the players start to come back, hopefully... That will just add on to this team's success. And I I know there's not a lot of success to point at right now, but in terms of positive trends, good trends, going in the right direction. And as Troy mentioned a couple of games ago, it it is still going to take a lot. I mean, because we're not saying that Connor Bedard, Nick Foligno, Seth Jones, Tyler Johnson aren't hardworking guys. They're all very hardworking guys. But this is this team's identity right now. When they get those guys back... It's hopefully a smooth transition of of those guys implementing their game and what the Hawks are already doing well this year. Speaking of other head coaches, I do just want to kind of point this out a little bit. We we talked about it on the last Blackhawks Live, and I'm guessing we'll talk about it a little bit more because it is more of a a national story. But all this drama going on with Cutter Gauthier and the Philadelphia Flyers and the Anaheim Ducks and... Uh, John Tortorella is really something. I I watched the clip last night of John Tortorella confronting the reporter that apparently mentioned that Kevin Hayes may have gotten into Cutter Gauthier's ear about Philadelphia not being a good organization. If you don't know the whole story, it's it's kind of hard to paraphrase, um, but you can a, a quick Google search will fill you in. Basically. One of the Philadelphia Flyers' top prospects, Cutter Gauthier, he was on Team USA for the World Juniors, was traded to Anaheim. There was a lot of miscommunication between both parties and Gauthier and the Philadelphia Flyers. Sounded like Gauthier didn't want to be there. Sounds like what he did or didn't do, rather, wasn't probably the best way of going about things. And it sounds like Philadelphia just wanted to not have a problem, so they wanted to address it as quickly as possible, and they traded one of their prospects. Now, you hear about trades and trading prospects all the time, but to not play an NHL game yet and to be a highly touted prospect, and and the way Philadelphia is going, it would make a lot of sense for them to hold value in this guy, but they ended up moving him to Anaheim. They pull over... um, They get a pretty solid two-way defenseman from the Anaheim Ducks and a guy that kind of fits into their system a little bit more recently than uh, what Cutter Gauthier might do. Now, the side story of this is, yeah, Kevin Hayes was then thrown under some fire for possibly telling Cutter Gauthier that Philadelphia is not a great place to play. John Tortorella, who is a controversial head coach, putting that at the very least, but I think everyone would agree with that, confronted the reporter that voluntarily spoke up about him being the one saying uh, he may have mentioned Kevin Hayes feeding information to Cutter Gauthier. And Tortorella defended himself and, more importantly, defended Kevin Hayes. No matter what you say about John Tortorella, I mean, it, it was a pretty likable move by the head coach 
defending one of his former players that may or may not had beef with. Uh, he pretty much presented whatever there was kind of discretion between those two and didn't make too much of light of it and just kind of went at the reporter telling him how that really can affect a player and affect a person and you know the wild wild west that is the social media presence right now definitely did that sounded like Kevin Hayes was getting some uh, really nasty things and things that he does not deserve so Kind of a good move on John Tortorella. Um, It is just crazy, though. Again, I watched the clip last night, and I said to myself, this doesn't happen in any other sport. This extent, that that does not happen in any other sport. So a whole bunch of drama going on in the NHL right now. We're going to take another break, and we're going to take a deeper look around the league. 13 games in the NHL tonight, and a couple of really good ones. A lot of overtime. We'll get to it next. Blackhawks fall to the Winnipeg Jets 2-1 tonight. Up in Canada, it's the Blackhawks postgame show, 720 WGN. Sends it right point now. Reichel drops it off to Murphy there. He'll toe drag and fire. He scores! Connor Murphy with his second goal of the season. A nice little move near the top of the right circle in the Jets' end. Change the angle ever so slightly, and he beats Brossois with a snapshot. It's 1-0. And a good majority of a game played. Unfortunately, the final four minutes went Winnipeg's way. An equalizer by Gabe Bellardi, a go-ahead game winner by Nikolai Ehlers, and the Winnipeg Jets take the third matchup between them and the Hawks, a 2-1 final. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. We're wrapping things up, but 13 games in the league tonight, and a lot of good ones, so we'll get right into it, and we're going to start in Buffalo. On the puck behind the net, back up top for Darlene. Takes a look. Cage Thompson over at the left circle. 29 seconds to go. Scores! Back-to-back darts by TNT. And Cage Thompson has given Buffalo a 3-1 lead. That goal courtesy of Buffalo Television is the Buffalo Sabres hand Ottawa a winless road trip. Ottawa 0-5-0 on their road trip with a 5-3 victory for the Sabres tonight. Tage Thompson with two goals in this one, his 13th and 14th on the year. Uh, Claude Giroux picking up his 12th, actually two goals, his 11th and the and 12th for the Ottawa Senators. But again, Buffalo with the win. They improve to 18-20-4. Let's go to Carolina. And Jordan Martinuk will send this one into the duck zone where Stahl will get to it first. He'll take a peek, drop it back, and let's go! Beautiful setup from Seth Jarvis to Brady Shea, who makes no mistake. Mike Maniscalco of Bally Sports South as Carolina takes down the Ducks 6-3. to Rough news for the Ducks heading into tonight as they announce Trevor Zegras is going to be out six to eight weeks with a broken ankle, so he's on the same timeline as Connor Bedard pretty much. But a 6-3 winner for the Carolina Hurricanes, they've now picked up points in 13 out of their last 14 games. The Ducks unable to continue their success after an impressive 5-3 win against Nashville in their last go-around. Let's go to Detroit. In at 10 into the overtime, McDavid will change as well. A handoff to Zach Hyman. Hard to the net. Rolls in front. Turned over. There shoots and scores. This game is over. That was a spicy one up at the Motor City. That's Jack Michaels of Sportsnet up in Edmonton. The game happened in Motor City, though. A 3-2 winner for the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid tied up the game in the third period, his 16th goal of the season. And Detroit was thinking it should have been called for offsides. 
Uh, that didn't happen. The game went to overtime, obviously, and Darnell Nurse with the game winner. So Edmonton picks up their ninth straight win, and Detroit suffers the overtime loss. They do have points, though, now in their last four games at least. I know they're coming off that sweep of the California road trip, but uh, they do only pick up one point tonight. Let's go to Florida. Panthers, six on five, late in the third. Trying to tie it. It's a chance for Verhage. He scores! Win streak is still alive. It's 2-2 two two late in the third period. I think Matthew Kachuk got the, the deflection. We'll see right here. Watch Kachuk's stick. Yes! It was Kachuk, his 12th of the year. Steve Goldstein and Randy Moeller of Bally Sports Florida. As the Florida Panthers stay resilient, stay hot, they end up winning in overtime thanks to a goal by Sam Reinhardt with .7 seconds left in OT. So both the Panthers and the Edmonton Oilers extend their winning streaks, stretch them out to nine games. The L.A. Kings now seven straight games without a victory. Boy, are they on a bit of a spell. Let's go to Montreal. Kyle skates through traffic behind the net. Has some open ice. Nice little pick run as well. Oh, he scores! Brian Mudrick of TSN. The San Jose Sharks, though, end their 12-game losing skid. A 3-2 victory over the Montreal Canadiens on the road up in Canada. Let's go to Pittsburgh. Puck is centered, broken up, and here's Heronic to Pedersen, trying to win it in overtime. Elias Pedersen keeps, scores! He stuck it through the legs of Jerry. Steve Mears of Sportsnet Pittsburgh, or the... Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. The Vancouver Canucks with a 4-3 overtime victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Vancouver stays hot. They're now 4-1 and on their seven-game road trip so far, and that was the game that finished right before the Hawks and the Winnipeg Jets for a split second. Vancouver leapfrogged, leapfrog, I still don't know how to say it, uh, right over the Winnipeg Jets, but then the Jets with the victory over the Hawks go in front of them. Again, 60 points for the Jets this season. Let's go back to Florida. Nikita Kucherov now. What's he going to do? Kucherov. So Radish. Radish back to Kucherov. Going to cut in. Kucherov on the backhand. Pulls it back. Still with it. Gets it to Radish. Hip shot. Scores! The brother of Blackhawks, Taylor Radish, Darren Radish, and that's his third goal of the season. It's an overtime winner for the Tampa Bay Lightning over the New Jersey Devils. The Devils on an important road trip. They're beginning three games out east against teams above them in the standings, or at least above them in the Eastern Conference, and they start things off with an overtime loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning, a 4-3 final. Let's finish things off in Washington. For Alexi Protus, he'll feed it in. Jensen goes up on the rush. From his defense position, now it's carried out by Larson. Moved along for Tanev, Larson right in. What a goal! Hey, hey, what do you say? Big cat! John Forslund of Root Sports Network as the Seattle Kraken tie a franchise record, their eighth straight win, a 4-1 victory over the Washington Capitals. We'll finish things off with our next game preview, brought to you by Plumbers 911 Chicago, where they do it right the first time. Double digit looking for more. That one knocked away. This one set down on the back door, and they added number seven to their tally. Josh Bogorod of Bally Sports Southwest. The Hawks hosting the Dallas Stars on Saturday. They're actually hosting Nashville tomorrow, so the Stars will have a game before that. But again, a 7 o'clock puck drop at the United Center, a 6.30 FanDuel Sportsbook pregame show right here on 720 WGN. Blackhawks hockey's been sponsored by Sitco. When you start with Sitco, you're good to go. 
United Airlines, your Chicago and Northwest Indiana Hyundai dealers, Plumbers 911 Chicago, where they do it right the first time, and Northwestern Medicine. Big thanks to everyone that helped get our broadcast go. My name is Joe Brand. Hawks fall to the Winnipeg Jets 2-1. to Stay safe, Chicago. I know it's about to get snowy. And have a great rest of your Thursday night. You've been listening to Chicago Blackhawks Hockey on Blackhawks Radio, 720 WGN. Streaming on WGNRadio.com and smart devices everywhere.